Hello, my name is Kyle Burrell, and I am quite partial to telling stories, some true, about an old friend of mine named Robert Frost, you know, the poet. Have a listen to this tale I told about Rob when I recently spoke at the Derry, New Hampshire Centennial Celebration of 1927. When the Frost and I moved into the Magoon place here in Derry, there was plenty for us to do to establish Rob's poultry farm. We built coops for the Wyandotte hens, and I found a proper horse to buy, and a harness, and a Democrat wagon, and everything else it takes to get a farm up and running. We bought a cow, too, which I milked every day at sunup. I tended the vegetable garden in the small orchard, picking Gravenstein's northern spies and Baldwin's and shipping them off to Boston. Rob collected the hen's eggs once they started laying again. I did my best to remain active and cheerful, as is my nature, you might agree, seeing as it was such a tough time for the frost with a recent loss of their eldest child, Elliot. Poor thing, three years old and had a fever that went untreated. Cholera. I don't think the child suffered terribly, but oh, how Rob and Eleanor did. They took it hard, real hard. Rightly so, I'd guess. I mean... I've never lost a child, but I can't imagine anything worse. But it's not the same just imagining the loss, is it? Somehow they plodded on. Eleanor had the infant Leslie to tend to, and there is always plenty for a man to do on a farm to keep his mind up his troubles. But still, it was a tough, tough time. I'd see Rob frozen still, stuck in one pose, staring at a rock or a board or his hand. Nothing in particular, really. Just staring and not moving. And I somehow knew he was pondering their loss and beating himself up bad for, well, such a terrible thing to lose a child. Rob did his best to plod forward, though this was a very tough time. He expresses this need to plod on after a loss somewhat callously in this chilling verse about a child dying on a farm called Out Out. Out Out. The buzzsaw snarled and rattled in the yard and made dust and dropped stove-length sticks of wood, sweet-scented stuff where the breeze drew across it. And from there, those that lifted eyes could count five mountain ranges, one behind the other, under the sunset far into Vermont. And the saw snarled and rattled, snarled and rattled, as it ran light or had to bear a load, and nothing happened. Day was all but done. 
Call it a day, I wish they might have said, to please the boy by giving him the half hour that a boy counts so much when saved from work. His sister stood beside them in her apron to tell them, Supper! At the word, the saw, as if to prove saws knew what supper meant, leaped out at the boy's hand, or seemed to leap. He must have given the hand. However it was, neither refused the meeting, but the hand. The boy's first outcry was a rueful laugh, and he swung toward them, holding up the hand, half an appeal, but half as if to keep the life from spilling. Then the boy saw all. Since he was old enough to know, big boy doing a man's work, though a child at heart, he saw all spoiled. Don't let him cut my hand off. The doctor, when he comes, don't let him, sister. So. But the hand was gone already. The doctor put him in the dark of ether. He lay and puffed his lips out with his breath. And then the watcher at his pulse took fright. No one believed. They listened at his heart. Little, less, nothing. And that ended it. No more to build on there. And they, since they were not the one dead, turned to their affairs. <laughs>